Well, good morning. Welcome to the church in Malvern. Today, Cole is uh, at Stuttgart, and I have the privilege of being here with you guys today. Um, Cole and I have something in common. We have a lot of differences, but we have one thing in common. We each have um, this brutal mirror that reflects back to us uh, an image of ourselves. And here is the conversation that Cole has, and I have my own as well. This conversation that's going inside of our mind. And the conversation sounds a lot like this. It says, uh, you're not good enough, Harley. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. You're not smart enough. Uh, by the way, Harley, you're also a failure. Uh, and look, Harley, uh, before the day's out, uh, you're going to blow it again. And that voice is constantly going on inside of my mind. And after so many years of hearing that voice, hearing, and it's my own voice inside my head, as after so many years, I get pretty convinced that that voice is accurate. It's almost impossible for me to have an assessment of myself um, about my core identity and who I am without hearing that voice. And more than likely, I'm not alone. I believe most of us have some kind of voice in our head that kind of tears us down because here's one thing we assume. We assume that uh, whatever assessment that we might be making inside of our head, we assume that we know ourselves the most and we are making the most brutally honest assessment of ourselves because nobody else knows us like we know ourselves. And so we believe that brutal assessment. Most often we believe one of two things. Either we believe if someone else says something that's different, we just believe, oh, they're just being polite. They're just being polite. You know, they just don't want to admit with me the, the truth about me. Or we believe that, you know, we're just having to do our best to hide the truth, that voice that's inside of our head, what it's telling us. And we just have to hide that. And we're doing our best that we can to hide it because we know this. It, it, they might just possibly believe what we're telling them or sh trying to show by the way we live, what we're trying to show about ourselves. They might believe that's the real us. But inside, we know the truth. We know that we've just been pretending. We know that we have just uh, are just trying to convince them that that's the way we really are. When inside of our mind, we are just berating ourselves with that is devastating. So that's what Cole and I share. And I bet we share some of this with you guys as well. The mir that mirror that, uh, that we look into that is screaming this information back at us, it, it is relentless. It, it does not stop. And here's a truth about this distorted mirror that I want to pass on to. It is very dangerous for us to believe and for us to trust our own bad opinions of ourselves. It's the voice we trust, but it's dangerous for us to trust that voice. Because I believe that the Bible, Scripture, tells us the truth. And here's what Scripture says about us. Scripture tells us that we have been made um, fearfully and we have been made wonderfully. I believe that's the truth. But our sin has shattered the mirror that we look into that distorts 
back an image of our soul to ourselves. That image is not accurate. See, God designed our soul um, to have this reflection. And that, and we are designed, as we look into that mirror, to see a reflection of God, our Creator. That's the way we have been designed. But for some reason, our mirrors that we look at, our soul, they no longer describe the about who we are. That voice in your head and my head, you know the one. It's that voice that is, it is oozing with condemnation, with cynicism, and a little sprinkling of shame inside. Oozing with all that. And that damaging voice that we hear, it is our shattered mirror that we're looking into and even, I want you to know, this is not a new problem because even the people who were closest to Jesus, they still themselves had a similar shattered mirror that they were looking at. Uh, last week we said that Simon um, was, uh, his name is Peter, but his birth name, Simon. We're going to be taking a look at him again this week. Um, and Simon was the very first one. This is what we talked about last week. He was the very first one to use his voice and to say that, yes, Jesus was the Messiah. And it was a pretty significant moment in history. And last week we said that we have to do the very same thing in our own lives. We also have to get to the point where we can say, this is who Jesus is. This is who I believe that Jesus is. And we have to consider the truth about who he really is. And that, that is maybe the most important question that we need to deal with in all of our lives. And by doing that, we are answering that important question. Who is Jesus? Man, that's important. And so we talked about last week. Here was Simon's answer. Here's what he said uh, in verse 16. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So Simon answered that first and most important question. So when Jesus asked him, he said, Simon, who do you believe I am? He answered immediately. And this is something that is super cool. Immediately after Simon answered that question, Jesus now responds. And this is what Jesus said in verse 18. Jesus said, and I also say to you, talking to Peter, that you are Peter, and, and, and that was new information. Everyone knew Simon. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the forces of Hades will not overpower it. Now, I just want to have a, an aside here for just a moment. People have debated over what that verse, that passage means, and they've debated this centuries. I don't think that debate is very important, honestly, because the debate actually kind of, it, it makes that verse lose some of its power. So it doesn't matter which side of the debate you align with. That's not what's important. Here is what is important. It is important to understand what Jesus is actually saying so that we don't weaken this passage. Your view on what Jesus is implying about Peter, that is not so important. The significance is that this happened right after 
Peter answered, this is who Jesus is. And this is who Peter considers the truth of who Jesus is. Saying, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And then this surprising fact happened. Jesus now responds. He responds. He reciprocates. He takes his turn. <laughs> he takes his turn. And Jesus now considers, okay, who is Simon? Jesus now named Simon. I love this. I love this. So, here's what happens. Simon names Jesus for the Messiah. And it's as if Jesus is saying, okay, Simon, okay, listen, I, 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 that's great. I get that. That's great. Now, Simon, it's my turn. Simon, I actually now, I have a name for you. All right? I have a name for you. Simon, you are Petros, which literally means, Simon, you are a stone. You are rock. You are a boulder. Now, cool. And at the same time, it's a little bit weird. Because as far as we can tell, this is the first time in the first century, that anyone was given the name stone or rock or boulder. Today, that would be like someone coming up to you, changing your name. We're going to call you Tree. And no longer your name, we're going to call you Window. And uh, let's see, Scott, uh, we're going to call you Spanx. You are the one who supports. <laughs> it is so bizarre for Jesus to call him rock. This is so bizarre. Uh, Jesus names Simon, Peter, Petros, rock. It's as if he is saying, listen, Peter, um, uh, let me tell you something about yourself that you don't actually know. Let me tell you something about yourself. And here's what I want you to know. Peter, here's what I want you to know. This something about you, um, you are uh, not what you have thought. That voice in your head, no, 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 no. That's not really who you are. Um, I have created you, Simon, Peter, to be more like a rock, like something solid and, and like something strong. Uh, that's how I have created you. I desire and I see for you something very solid, a, a foundation. And, and by the way, Peter, I am planning on allowing you to be part of one of the most important things that I am getting ready to do. And Peter, you are going to have a front row seat of watching me build my church. Wow, Peter, the rock. He's going to understand as he goes of what Jesus by changing his name Rock. And he's going to understand that Jesus is going to be saying very soon, I am the Messiah and I am going to die to make my church happen. And he will also learn very soon you are going to die because of message of the church. So powerful, I think, for us to look at. Think 
Simon considered of who Jesus was, and he named the most important question in his life. But then Jesus considered the truth about who Simon Jesus named Simon. And I honestly believe that this is true for us today. So last week we asked you to consider the most important question of your life. And we ask you, will you name for you and your life this week? This week. We're asking you to have courage, not just to name Jesus. Now, we're asking you to have the courage to allow him to name I think it's so important for us to understand. Our, our main our bottom line statement today is this. As soon as we name him Lord and Savior, again, name. As soon as we name him our Lord and Savior, begins the process. So Jesus, our true shepherd, I believe he actually knows you. And he knows you. You're following him. He knows you. Listen to to this. Because if he knows you, he understands the real way he has created you to live and the real purpose of your life. He actually knows. I love how this is worded in John. He he says, uh, recording the words of Jesus, he's quoting Jesus. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. Then he says, I know this. And I believe he knows us like no other. He knows us like we don't even know ourselves. He knows us. Then he said, and they follow me. This morning, I can honestly say this. Are a follower of Jesus. knows. And I do believe that he's ready to name you. He's going to rename you about you. Now, our understanding of Jesus is progressive. That means it changes. It it increases. As we get to know the real Jesus, what we talked about beginning in January, as we get to know the real Jesus who, in this series, we're knowing him as our shepherd, and as we develop a of uh, this habit of, of, of feeding on what he says, on his words, on what he has taught, feeding on what we see him doing in Scripture. That is a life that is focusing on Jesus. Then, in that case, we are inviting Jesus to identify who we really are, allowing him to name us. And allowing him to say, this is what I have created you for. This is why you're here. This is purpose in your life. So last week's question, question in life, who do you say Jesus is? This week's question, life's second most important question, who does Jesus say I am? That is so true. And I honestly believe that as part of who you are, 
at the church in Malvern, where Cole is today at Stuttgart Harvest. Who we are, I believe, answering those questions are an enormous why God has You see, we've been answering that second question our whole lives. I mean, we have already been answering that for ourselves. We've been looking at ourselves, and we've been using that broken, that shattered mirror, and we've been looking into that shattered mirror, and we've been listening to that voice inside of our heads. You know the one? It's that voice that is dismissive. It's that voice that is full of condemnation and cynicism. It's that voice that is full of shame. And it's that voice that is coming to us from that shattered mirror. And I believe we all have one of those shattered mirrors. That's why I want to say that is our own trust. You know, it seems to me as I look at Scripture, all the way back, starting with the first seems to me that God may have designed us to look outside of ourselves for our identity. Now that's a big statement, but I believe it's important for us to understand that. God somehow, in his design of us, designed us to look outside of ourselves to identify who am I really. Here's the problem. After sin broke this creation, and after our sin broke our relationship with God, we stopped looking at God for our identity. We started looking at our shattered mirror, or even shattered mirror of other people. We've been looking at those for our identity. We've been listening to those We've been paying attention to those voices to tell us why we are and who. Oh, it's devastating. So important that we look at the only safe mirror there is to look at. It's the only accurate mirror for us to gauge our true identity. It's the only accurate mirror for us to really get the purpose of why we are here. Because that's the only mirror that has not been destroyed by sin. It's the only mirror that has not been broken or shattered by sin. That's the mirror. All the other mirrors, including my own, all the other mirrors have been every single. Jesus, he's going to reflect our identity back directly. And here's a cool thing. He'll also do it in have time to focus on that statement. He will reflect that identity as well. Jesus is... And so... What Jesus says about us, I believe truly is. What Jesus says about us, all the other reflections, they are either uh, uh, built upon 
the identity that Jesus gave us or all those other are then going to uh, tear down that identity. Listen to how Paul describes it. He says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of God. Here's what's happening and being transformed. When we take Jesus and move him from the background of our lives, we talked about this a little Take Jesus and move him from the background. And, and because when he's in the background, that's that God plus living. And it's like I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm also going to be paying attention to all these other things. But when we take Jesus from the background and we bring him into the center, the focus of our lives. Now, let's go back to, to Paul before I finish that statement. And he says, when this happens, this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So God helps us to do that, to bring him into the foreground of our life. And it's only then that we can look into the mirror of Jesus and then we can be transformed by God's. That's how that happens. And only then, only then can we begin to see ourselves in his. Oh, that. I, I hope something about that statement being frozen mind. Release our identity. All of these false things. Listen, I, I, I'm a grown man. I, I don't always feel pure, but I'm certainly grown. I'm a grown man, and I still struggle with all those voices in my head telling me all this other information. That he has created that true purpose has for my life that can override all of the labels that I have on myself, those labels that other people. Slowly, that begins to replace that shattered that I have inside of me. So that one day, as we're on this journey, one day, our self-assessment will look more and more way Jesus. What do we find? Looking. All the many things that there might be. I know. The book of Acts chapter 17. For in him. We live. And. And. It, I believe that it is only. In Christ. It is only in Him that we are going to truly find out what we are living for, what we have been created. Every other identity 
I want you to picture this. I love, I, I, I love this. Um, for just a moment, we're not going to go to a passage. We're going to apply what we have talked about in another one of these followers. We're going to look at this guy named Matthew for just a moment. Matthew. Was Matthew an Israelite? Yes. Check that box. Was Matthew Jewish? That's yes. All the Israelites were Jewish. He was Jewish. He was from the line of Abraham. So that was a big deal. Huge deal. He was Jewish. He's an Israelite. Just like Simon Peter we just talked about. Matthew was also Jewish. An Israelite. Just like all the people who were um, what Cole and I call professional religious people, the Pharisees, were all Jewish, Israelites. Yeah, they were. So Matthew was just like that, just like them, as far as he was. But Matthew was hated as a traitor, as a cheater, as a Okay? See, he had turned against all of his kin, even his own. He had turned against all of his own relatives. He had turned against all of the Jewish people, all of the Israelites, when he became a Roman tax collector. He was given permission by Rome to collect as much tax from the people as he could, as he wanted to, even his own parents. He could get all the taxes from them, and then he had a contract to give Rome a certain amount, but anything left over got to help. That means he was cheating his own people, and he got very wealthy doing it. In fact, probably the Israelites hated the tax collectors, they're all Jews, hated them probably more than they hated. Romans. They hated Matthew. And it was that Matthew that hated Matthew, the traitor, the cheater, the thief. It was someone uh, who tortured his own people financially. And he had the, all the authority of Rome to back him up. They had to pay him what he was. One day, Jesus his tax booth. Jesus stops and he turns and he looks at Matthew and says this, Matthew, come follow And I don't know what happens. Something happens in that moment. And Matthew, something happens in his heart, in his life, and he leaves that tax booth and he gets up and he follows Jesus' life changed forever. He gets up, walks away from everything. He walked away from all of his wealth, begins to follow Jesus. He now begins to name as Jesus got to go anywhere. All right? Anywhere he was. Big deal. Just picture this. Um, let's picture uh, uh, Matthew 
this uh, hated uh, traitor called Matthew. Let's let's picture him doing this, following Jesus. And um, let's say Jesus walks up uh, to this first century, I don't know what it would be, the most exclusive club you could imagine, uh, the most exclusive restaurant, the most restricted place that you could imagine in the first century. Jesus walks up to that place, and you've seen the, the pictures on um, uh, social media where a uh, bouncer is there, and um, they've got the rope there, and there's a line of people to get in. Nobody's getting in unless the bouncer lets them in, whatever this place might be that we're imagining. He walks up, and he just, uh, the guy just opens the rope. He goes straight in. He knew. He knows who Jesus is. He gets to go straight in. But then the bouncer takes the rope and closes it off. And uh, it's like, oh, Matthew, no. Not you, Matthew. Jesus. Matthew. Uh -uh. You're not getting it. <laughs> Listen, Matthew, I, I know you. I've got your number, Matthew. Cheater. You're a traitor. Matthew, no. And it's as if, because you see, Jesus turns around. He says, he he turns around to the bouncer. He's like, ah. Jesus turns around, and he says, yeah, this guy that you've labeled. This guy, that you've got words for him, you've got names for him, you've got ideas of who he is. I don't know. Some of it could be accurate. I don't care. He's with me. He's with me. And I want you to when you follow Jesus, you're with him. When you follow Jesus, he will turn to anywhere in this world, and he will turn around and he will say, oh, no, 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 come on. Following. If you have made him your master and your Lord, your shepherd, Jesus, in that moment, follow him, that you commit your life to him, now names you. The Bible tells us he names you friend, not enemy. He names you friend, not more than any of our accomplishments. Doesn't matter. More than anything that anyone else has said about us. Doesn't matter. More than anything that anyone else has thought about us and talk to someone else about us, it doesn't matter. Jesus names you more than all of those failures, more than all of those irritations, more than all of those relational problems. He names you. We are defined by Jesus, and what Jesus says about us, that's what defines us. He is is reclaim us, include us. Jesus says you're with That's all that we need to know about ourselves. 
I believe, as the scripture just teaches us, we find ourselves, our find ourselves in I believe that Jesus wants us to what is true about ourselves. I believe that Jesus is unwilling for us to continue living our lives under the lies that we have told ourselves and under the lies that other people have told us. As we get to know him and name the truth about him, he names about us. Yeah, truth about me. I was his enemy. Yeah, that's true. Died to save me. He knew that I was his enemy. Died to save me anyway. Now, because I've chosen to follow him, I am. I belong to him. Listen to how Paul words it this time as we look at at Paul describing this relationship between us and God. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in the statement where I name Jesus as my Lord and I name him as my shepherd. It means that I no longer live. It's no longer about me, but it's Christ. And I want to tell you, that is, here's this word again, that is progressive. Progressive. You see, following our shepherd and me beginning to see my life the way he sees my life, because I've already admitted I'm so far behind in seeing my life the way he describes it. It is progressive. And maybe you have advanced further than I have. I hope you have. But it is progressive. That means the way I see myself today through his mirror should not be the same way I see myself next year through his mirror. It is progressive. Following Jesus, my shepherd, seeing me the way that he sees me, uh, it is progressive. It is a journey. Let me show you. Uh, or describe to you what I think it might look like. See, we began to get to know real Jesus. Okay, we've talked about this. We began to get to know the real Jesus. And if at some point in your life, you come to the place where you transfer the ownership of your life, okay? You transfer, you say, okay, Jesus, because you died for me, I now belong to you. So I was my boss, but now Jesus, you're my boss. Something happens in that moment, and it's described in the New Covenant as God's Spirit enters into your life, okay, at that moment. Enters into your life. And this progression now continues. So I want to describe this progression. Here's how it starts. As soon as we name him Lord and Savior, he begins renaming us, okay? So here's kind of a where this goes. The more you know him, that means the more you will love him. All right? And it progresses. The more you love him, the more you'll want to follow him. 
and it progresses more. The more you follow him, the more you will become like him. And the more you become like him, the more you actually become yourself. The self that he created you to be, that he designed, it progresses. We're getting ready to bring this. Last week, we asked you to answer life's first greatest question. Now we're asking, will you allow Jesus second question? Say, have you exchanged your broken, shattered view, distorted mirror describing yourself? Have you exchanged that? For the perfect Jesus. Listen. In doing so, we're allowing him to transform us into his image. Uh, Let me remind you again, and I'm going to add the last part of this that Paul was saying. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he continues, he says, So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. Question, Christ. Because as soon as we name him Lord and Savior, he then goes to work at renaming us. Or I have to ask this question, am I still just the same old self and looking into that same old broken, shattered mirror every day? And if I am continuing to look at that same broken, shattered mirror, the question is, why would I keep doing that? Looking at that distorted my life, and why would I keep listening? I believe the answer lies in this. So I want to read progression, journey, this. This uh, journey of following Jesus, what it looked like, get what it looks like, get to know the real Jesus really well. Because the more you know him, the more you'll love him. The more you love him, the more that you'll want to follow him. The more you follow him, the more you'll become like him. The more you become like him, the more you become self. Self. God. I pray that many of us declare you in our lives as our as our shepherd, as our Lord. I pray that many of us have transferred the ownership of our lives from ourselves. And God, I just pray as we continue in this progression of knowing you more, of following you, that you will silence that voice inside of our head. That you will silence that judgment that we have from others. 
and that you will declare to us, I'm with you. I desire that in my life, and I pray it will my Jesus, we ask all of these things in your name, our Savior, our Messiah.